Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. It's like MTV, but for Christians and way more awesome. I'm Dean Windsor and I'm your host. And today we have an amazing faith-filled show for you guys. We have sermons from Georgia and Florida. We also have an interview with best-selling author Michelle Medlock-Adams. She's here to discuss her new book, Platinum Faith. I love it. But first up is Pastor Jordan Poole of Hope Church in Warner Robins, Georgia. His sermon is called, The Day My Faith Woke Up. This is a powerful message about why we can't let our situations or what didn't work for others stop us from believing in what God told us. Next, we go to Cape Coral, Florida with Pastor Corey Demmel at Cape Christian Church. He's finishing up their sermon series, The Me I Want to Be. His message is about change, and he's offering some biblical tools we can use when changing from where we are to where we want to be. This is definitely one you'll want to watch in its entirety after the show. Lastly, we go to Elevation Point Church in Logansville, Georgia. Pastor Dustin Barker is encouraging us to not worry in a sermon titled, God Knows. We must trust that God sees us. He knows what we're going through, and he has a plan. Isn't that always how it works out? And I'll be joined with Pastor Daniel McGee from Connections Church in Astoria, Queens. That's right, right here from New York. And he's back in the house today. We'll get back to him a little later. But right now, I want to get to Warner Robins, Georgia with Pastor Jordan Poole. Let's go check him out. Our faith is not a weight we forfeit more than the devil steals. I hate forfeits because what happens, watch this. You have to go back home because your ability to compete was affected by what someone else did or did not do. In other words, you miss out on a moment because of what someone else did or what someone else didn't do or what someone else said they were going to do, but they didn't keep the commitment. How? Here, here, here's a question. Well, actually, a statement. Do you want to know what your, your greatest responsibility is? Thank you, Dwayne. I appreciate you asking. Do you, do you want to know what your greatest responsibility is? There's about 20 of us that do. This whole back, I don't know what this section, if you want to know. Your greatest responsibility. Okay. Talking about waking your faith up. You might want to wake up now. Okay. Um, my greatest responsibility, my greatest responsibility, watch this, is my response ability. Hear what I'm saying? My greatest responsibility is response ability. It's your ability to respond in the face of adversity. Jairus has a choice because he's got, and I just picture Jairus, this, this father who's full of hope now because wait, Jesus saw me. He, he knows who I am now. He, he's, he, he knows my problem. He knows my issue. And, and I just picture Jairus out front leading Jesus as he's getting mobbed by this crowd. And then all of a sudden Jairus looks back and Jesus has stopped. Why are you stopping, man? The house is this way. And there was a woman, the woman who we know, who had a flow of blood for 12 years. It was a problem. And she had grabbed a hold of him. And he, he wanted to know, who, who just grabbed me like that? I, I, somebody just touched my garment, and I felt power go. And I could just picture Jairus like just with the, man, I don't know who touched him, but I know who needs your touch. This gives us a picture of the accessibility to Jesus. 
Because in one sense, he was going to touch someone, but on the way, somebody touched him. This is the access we have, the access we have that we can approach the throne of grace boldly, boldly. That it's, I'm either on my knees trying to touch him, trying to get him, or he's on the way to touch what I need. And I just preach job, he's out front. Hey, come on, man, hurry up. We got to go. But God is never rushed. God's pace is never out of sync. Never out of sync. It's right on time. And about that time after he's finished talking with this woman, people from Jairus' house show up. And they say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why go any further? What would be the point to go any further now? Why would you even want to keep showing up now? Why would, there's no need to bring him to the house. The, the, it's already done. It's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. It's not going to change. You're not going to get the promotion. It's, the business ain't going to work out. I'm telling you, I, I've seen this before. It's not going to work. Jairus has an opportunity to respond. He has a choice to respond to adversity, to say, you know what, Jesus, why don't you just stay here? They've already told me it's not going to work. And my question is, why do we allow someone else's try and fail to become our reality? Why would we allow someone else's, well, I've tried it, I've done it, it ain't going to work. Why would I allow, well, there ain't no church in the South going to be able to have black people and white people come together and, and worship God. There ain't, there ain't, gonna, there ain't no way you're going to be able to pay off debt. Ain't no way you're going to be able to do the thing and, and plant another campus and, and do it. Ain't no way. Why would I listen to somebody who's not even believing for what I'm believing for? Why would I allow someone else's try and fail to become my reality now? That's not my reality. It might have been for you, and, and that might have been your time. It might have been what you went through, and you stopped. But, but for me and my house, we're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep pushing because I know I know what God's got in me. I know what I believe, and, and i got to believe that this little girl can still get up. i got to believe that he's still a miracle worker. i got to believe that it's not just words on a page, that it's actually things that are real life. And if Elijah can pray in James, in the book of James, and the heavens can open, and he's a man just like me then then that tells me I can pray and things can open and things can close and, and things can shift and things can move I, I gotta believe that I still serve a God of miracles somebody shout wake my faith up we forfeit more than the devil steals stop quitting and then say the devil did it well the devil's attacking me y'all need your prayer saints all right, there's Pastor Jordan Poole, passionate as always. We love having him on the show. Uh, Pastor Daniel McGee, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. All I right, appreciate awesome, it. Man. Well, I need your help on this one. I need you to help me break this down. I'll do my so, best. Pastor Jordan Poole is touching on a couple of things here. Um, one of them is God's timing. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we end up putting our faith in men because, you know, we're, we're impatient waiting on God. So could you just kind of explain God's timing a little bit to us? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Uh, God's timing is, is His, and He works above and beyond what we can comprehend. And so part of it, I don't know that we're ever going to truly and fully understand. But the good thing is, is we know that, that He is working. So I think what, what helps us understand His timing to help us be more patient and, and to, to realize that He is working is to, um, is to spend time really just pushing into who he is. Okay. 
And so um, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like uh, I have I have missed the mark in my life, uh-huh. and uh-huh. and uh, feel like I've missed my timing as well, yeah. and maybe missed my opportunity. But uh, the good news is, like he was talking about in this clip, uh, that God is a God of resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we feel like it's too late, but with God, most of the time He's well, maybe all the time, he's right on time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you hear that a lot, too, especially when it comes to career or, you know, ambition. You, you hear, oh, you know, I, I missed my shot. This is your yeah. one shot. This is your one shot. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. I, I think that we get more than one shot. It might not, just because you didn't take that particular one doesn't sure. mean that God isn't going to, you know, maybe give you another shot down the road. Right. Yeah, I think we do miss opportunities mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, there's I can look back over my life and and say I really missed an opportunity here. But it doesn't mean God's closed the window for his plan to continue. He's he's going to do what he set out to do. Yeah. And the good news is I can't mess up his plan. Right? I can't mess it up. He's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, but I can miss out on some blessings and some opportunities. Uh, but thankfully God is gracious and merciful. And he can draw us right back in and give us a brand new beginning. All right. I love it. I'm going to go completely old school OG here and just say when God, when a door closes, God opens a window. Is that right? Is yeah, that, is that how right. we say that? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV after this commercial break. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Jordan Poole, but right now I want to get to Pastor Corey Demmel in Cape Coral, Florida. Let's go ahead and check him out. For most of us, I think this resonates. In fact, I've seen this with most everybody I've ever encountered. There's this me I want to be, and, and, and actually the who I want to be for me, I change it to who God made me to be or who God has called me to be, because if he designed me, then he knows what's best how best to use me and what I'm for. So there's this me that God's called me to be, but way over here, this me, who I am. And so the question then is, how do I take this me that I am and and kind of bridge this gap and move over to this me that God has created me to be? And what I have found is there's a way to make that journey. There's a way to move from the me that you are to the me that God has created and called you to be. And, And there's a bridge or there's a gap, there's a journey And if I could label or give a name to that gap, if I could give a name to that bridge, I would call it the bridge of change. What a soothing word that's just so easy and comfortable and we all love. But this is the truth. This is just the reality. If you are going to move from who you are to who God has made you to be, this is inevitable. This is the journey. Change is going to happen. We have to embrace change to move from who I am to who God made me to be. And so I want to have a conversation this morning about, or today, about change. I want to talk about change and how that impacts our life and what God has to say about it, because he has a lot to say. But first, I want to just speak to change just really quick, because the reality is we all respond differently to change. We all have different responses to change. And there's data, there's there's been, there's resources, there's been all kinds of studies done on this that kind of there's three, we fit into three different categories. So essentially about 16% of us or one sixth of us, we embrace change. 
We look forward to change. Things can't happen fast enough. We look for the next thing. We can't wait for change. We love it. In fact, we are the ones that we stand in line the night before Verizon and AT&T open up because we have to have the new iPhone 11 Pro with 4 million gigabytes for we don't know what of memory. Uh, we pre-order it. It's like, I'm, I've had this iPhone X for over a year. It's so 2017. Like, I need a new phone. Like, what's up with this? Like, it doesn't even have a night camera. Like, we are the ones that we just, we embrace change. Now, the majority of people fit into the second category, 68% or roughly right at two-thirds, two-thirds of us, we like the process change. It doesn't mean we resist it, but we kind of sit back and kind of go, I want to see how this plays out first. Like, ah, uh, I'm not sure about all this. We don't stand in line. We're the ones that let these guys work out all the kinks, do all the beta testing, have all their data mined, uh, like have all the crashes. And by Christmas, like by Christmas, I'll probably have an iPhone 11 Pro, but I'm just going to wait and let you all figure that out. Like, I'm going to process it. And then there's this other 16% or other one-sixth of us that we just resist change. We're like, nope, we didn't have cell phones back in the day. We don't need cell phones now. These are the people that still have their flip phones connected to their belt. Like, and it, listen, it's cool. Like, it's cool. Like, it's cool because everybody's different. We're all God's masterpiece. Don't judge. But it's like, listen, I don't need no iPhone. I, Blackberries, whatever. I got my flip phone. I don't got to mess with the, I don't got to worry about the mess. Look, right there. There it is. Like, good, good job, cowboy Joe, you know? Um, <laughs> It's like, do you get a gun? No, no, just my flip phone. Um, and, and I joke, but this is how we fit. But here's what I have found that is so interesting, and this is so fascinating to me, that wherever you're at on this, whether you embrace it, whether you process it or you resist it, most of us, we all process change differently. However, the point at which most of us actually change is the same. And that's the point of pain. We actually Wherever you fit on this, we actually, almost all of us, wait until the point of pain to change. In fact, we often don't change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. The pain of staying where I am and being who I am is greater than the me that God has called me to be. All right, Pastor Corey Demmel is dishing out the truth today. I, mm. you know, change is scary. It, it, it's scary for a lot of us because... You know, nobody likes to be uprooted and nobody likes, we're, we're kind of creatures of habit, right? So, but that fear of change, like, is that something that can be kind of damaging to us? And, and if so, like, how bad could the, could the damage be? Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's a good question. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get a good, an good answer here. Um, yes, it can be damaging to us. Um, I, I know that in my past, uh, one of the, when we decided to finally move to New York City, mm. uh, we actually started a church in Queens. And I know part of the factor for discerning whether we should or shouldn't do that is I got to a point where I, the, the thought of staying and remaining was, or the thought of staying and remaining was painful to me. Mm. Not because of the church I was at, I loved where I was. Um, but the thought of missing out on God's opportunity to, for what He wanted to do here through us became a greater uh, force. And, and he's talking about the, the pain uh, forces you to, to change. Mm. Uh, I think the more resistant we are to change, maybe the more pressure God has to put on us yeah. uh, to get us to do what He wants us to do. So if we're resistant to what God is doing in our lives, then He has to apply more pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I, I think that's... Um, where it could be maybe 
damaging to us is it can can cause us to go through frustrations that maybe we wouldn't have to go through if we were just listening and being tender and uh, and, and receptive for what, to what God is saying to us and what He's wanting us to do with our lives. See, now I like that. So we can avoid yeah. some of this struggle and some of this pain if sure. we just listen yeah, I mean, to if, what God if is saying. If God's putting to pressure us. on us, yeah. then what, what is it that He wants from us? Yeah. And so if we're really in tune with His Holy Spirit and allowing Him to, to minister to us, then a softer touch will get our attention instead of a, a forceful hand, if you will. All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into Dustin Barker. We'll get back to Pastor Corey Demel a little later. Do not worry. Do not worry. Jesus said, do not worry. He goes on and says in verse 31, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Do not worry. Do not worry. Jesus says, I understand that you have some legitimate concerns. I understand that you have some legitimate needs. I understand that you have some things that you could technically be worried about, but do not worry. Do not worry. And hear me on this. Jesus was not saying that you don't have any problems. Jesus was not saying that you're overreacting. Jesus was not saying that everything is okay. Jesus was not saying that you have all the answers. Jesus is just saying, do not worry. Do not worry. The struggle is real. The problems are real. But, but the peace of Jesus is just as real and just as available as the anxiety and the worry in those moments is. It's just as available. And Jesus he says, he says, do not worry. And what's amazing is worrying is one of, the most, one of the most least productive but exhausting things that we do. It is the least productive thing that we do, but it is also equally the most exhausting. Because whenever we worry, we're constantly trying to figure out an answer to something that we do not have the answer to. We're trying to solve a problem that we don't have the solution to. And it's so tiring to constantly be worrying about things, to, be, to spend your time worrying about it and stressing over it and trying to find the answers and trying to make it work, trying to find the solutions, trying to figure out how, how can I handle this situation that you were never even meant to handle. We waste all this time and we're wearing ourselves out and all of that stuff does not make it happen any faster. And the devil is so slick because he doesn't just use bad things to get you to worry. See, you think it's just the bad stuff. He doesn't just use the bad things to get you to worry. He'll use the good things. He'll come at you with something good that happens in your life and then just let your mind start to wander and take off. Like your spouse comes home and gives you a gift. And you're like, it's not our anniversary. It's not Christmas. It's not my birthday. What did they do? What did they do? Like what did they do that they now have to give me a gift? I, they cheated on me. I knew, I knew I shouldn't trust Karen. I knew I shouldn't trust. They, they cheated on me. No, maybe they just wanted to bring you a gift and it was a good thing. 
but you allow the devil to come in and just mess with your mind a little bit, cause you to get some anxiety. So now you say, hey, are you cheating on me? Why do I have this present? And they're like, no, I just wanted to get you something nice. Why do you think I'm cheating? And then you have some conflict. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead before we jump into this sermon and, and dissect it. I'm going to say, if I get a gift, I'm not going to side, you know, I'm not going to side eye at it. I, I kind of... I kind of want some stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, so we can't, so he's really, I'm, I'm going to try to condense this and right. saying, you know, we're, we're talking about distrust, paranoia, you know, all of these feelings can, con, you, mm. can they kind of be like attacks on our faith? And, and how do we combat those types of feelings? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's a long answer, I think. Uh, distrust uh, happens for a few reasons. It's in our nature, I think. We distrust God uh, mm. naturally. It's not in our new nature. Once we come to Christ, the new nature He gives us is a nature of trust. But we still live in a fallen world where people do give us gifts because they have motives. Mm. And so there's this discernment that we, that we have to live with of, of knowing, uh, kind of getting to the point where we can kind of see through what people are doing uh, and why they're giving us these gifts. And so I think... Um, the world we live in leads us to distrust people because we, we see it all the time where people are trying to manipulate us. Um, and also um, the past pains that we may have as well, where people have hurt us. We, we tend to project things over uh, from the past that we haven't really been healed from. Um, but yeah, it can really cause us to live in, in a state of, of worry as well. So I think what he's talking about here is, is getting past that and, yeah. and just dealing with the fact that we don't have to be skeptical of everything. And so I think there's a, you know, what I'm talking about is a little maybe different than what he's talking about is I don't want to distrust my wife if she does something nice for me. I don't need to be questioning yeah. why she's doing it. And so I think by living a life of faith, realizing that, that, um, that people can do good things for good reasons is, uh, is a healthier place to be. Yes, that's exactly yeah. where I want to be. And that's why I think we should all be, you know, just giving can be just a really great thing. You don't always have to speculate it doesn't always come from a bad place. We should all be there. And we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Dustin Barker, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia. Let's go ahead and check him out. The power of your faith isn't just for today. It's not just for today. Write this down. Number three, my faith today is fuel for tomorrow. My faith today is fuel for tomorrow. Hear me. If there's at least one or two things that'll drain your faith. I know at least one of them to be called rejection. Failure. Nothing like a failure that will drain your faith. Nothing like something pushing you away that'll drain your faith. Nothing like rejection, nothing like failure that'll make your faith tired and when fatigue steps in faith steps out 
And when you get tired and your faith starts to go to sleep, you don't believe that God can do any exceedingly abundantly above all, whatever we ask or think. You don't believe that he's still the God that can part water. You, still don't, you don't believe that he's the God that can multiply loaves and fishes. You don't believe that he's the God that can raise the dead. And your faith has become fatigued because when fatigue steps in, faith steps out. I also believe the reverse is true, that when faith steps in, fatigue steps out. My question to you is, how do you process rejection? Because ain't nothing like something rejecting you or some people rejecting you or or a failure to, to have this inner dialogue, well, I must not be called to it now. Because I failed here, I got stopped here, I got stuck here, it must not be in me to do. Can I help your faith? I'm getting ready to help it right now. I'm telling you, this is going to change your outlook. I'm telling you, this, this, this is about to change everything for you. You ready? My faith today is fuel for tomorrow. Before Jesus steps into the room with this little girl, and before they got met halfway by people from the house saying she's dead, and before the woman with the issue of blood grabbed a hold of his hem of his garment and was healed from her issue. And before, before the multitudes show up, Jesus was not in, the, in that place. He was in a region called the Gadarenes. He was in a region called the Gadarenes. Now, now it should be noted that he got to the Gadarenes from where he actually landed in verse 21. So he left there, went over to the Gadarenes, and on the way, mind you, he went through a storm that he told to be still goes to the Gadarenes and heals a demonic man that's full of a legion of demons, cast them into the pigs, and that's where we picked it up in verse 21. That's why it says he came back again. But my faith today is fuel for tomorrow. But see, see, you got to understand the context before he was in the room with a little girl and before he asked Peter, James, and John to come with him and before the girl actually died and before the woman with the issue got healed and before he showed up on the shore, he was casting out a, de- a legion of demons out of this man. Let me, and the Bible says in Mark 5, verse 17, after he did that, the people of that region asked him to leave. God, I thought you called me to this. Why do they don't want me? God, I just, this man's sitting here with all his clothes on. He's sitting here in his right mind. They have never seen this man in peace before. Here he is. You used me to do something great, and they're kicking me out of their city? Oh, this must not be for me. Then I'm going to go find something else to do. Rejection. You must, not, you must not want me to be want me to be this business owner. You must not want me to start this thing. You must not want us to stay married. You must not, you must not want it. If it's going this way and this is what happened, then I'm just going to find something else and find someone else. All it takes is that one decision to do that. And you set yourself back years. But thanks be to God. This story is always, you know, it gets me every time. You know, Jesus, you know, performed a miracle in front of this, basically the entire city. And they still asked him to leave. Like, that, mm-hmm. that is rejection beyond any kind of rejection that I have ever dealt with or, or that most people will ever deal with. I, I, you know, how do we, as, as humans, 
you know, hope to, can we ever hope to be able to deal with rejection as well as, as Jesus did? I want to say yes. <laughs> okay, um, that's hopeful. Yeah, well, and, and the reason I would say yes is because the same power that was living within Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Okay. He now gives to those who follow Him. Okay. And so we have the Holy Spirit within us. I think where we, we miss it often, where I'll, I'll use me as an example, where I miss it often is that I, I start focusing on the circumstances around me mm. instead of remembering what God has done for me. And so one of the things that helped Jesus accept and, and, and go through that rejection was He knew that He had a mission, hmm. that there was a, a calling from God the Father that He had to fulfill. And so that kept Him going. And, and so rejection's part of life. I mean, that, that's just an, an aspect that we need to learn to deal with. You know, Paul and Silas were rejected and they were put in prison for doing exactly what God called them to do, right? Yeah. And what did they do? They, they sang in prison. And God opened the doors of the prison and, and the gospel advanced because they worshiped God in the rejection. So absolutely, we can, we can be victorious over rejection where we need to. And I love how he's talking about, too, that, that, that God um, gets us out of this. He, he's the God of miracles. He, he does the things that only He can do. Uh, we have to stay there. We have to remember that He's the one working. And so... Uh, Take the pressure off of us and put it on to, onto God and to realize that He is using us. Yeah. All right. That's it. That sounds good to me. Take the pressure off yourself and give it up to God. Right now, we're going to go ahead and give it up to Pastor Corey Demel and let him wrap up his sermon. Let's go ahead and check him out. It's going to be the thing that helps us to become who God made us to be or continue to move in that direction. So three ideas of how to embrace change, three thoughts about this conversation. So start with number one. We have to learn to change with your season. If you're taking notes or you're on the planner, these are your fill-ins. To change with your season. See, our life is a lot like the, the, the weather. Now, again, this doesn't really work here because we're in Florida, so it's always nice and it's always summer. It's just different kinds of hot and humid, but it's always nice. But everywhere else have these things called seasons. <laughs> I'm from Nebraska. We had four seasons, really long, cold winter, really hot summer, and three weeks of fall and spring, and they were beautiful and it was awesome. But different things happen in different seasons. Um, and our life is like that. We have different seasons of our life. If you've been alive for a minute, you know what I'm talking about. You have seasons where things are different in your life. In fact, the author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he writes this kind of idea, this concept. And, and I think God really wants some of us to understand this because this is going to help some of us today. And, and Solomon writes this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then he goes on and he gives this beautiful rendition. He says, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for laughing. There's a time to mourn. There's a time for dancing. Some of you could work on the dancing thing a little bit, but that's not really, we're not talking about that today. There's a time to scatter stones and there's a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search. And there's a time to give up. There's a time to keep. And there's a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. Get this. There's a time to be silent. I know, right? And a time to speak. Dilly dilly, yeah. You didn't say that when I said be silent. <laughs> I love my church so much. 
There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Here's what Solomon is saying. He's saying life has seasons. There's times when it seems like you're building. There's times when it seems like you're growing. There's times when it seems like you're harvesting. And there's times when it seems like you're tearing down. Again, I'm from Nebraska. Many of my friends and family were farmers and ranchers. And we had the same four-season four cycle. In the spring, you would plant. And then in the summer, you would, you would irrigate and you would manicure and nurture and you would cut out weeds and drive bugs away. And then in the fall, you would harvest. And then in the winter, you would go to Florida where it was nice. In fact, the first person I ever met here when I moved here, no lie, first time I went to the beach when I was a pastor here, I met farmers from Nebraska City, Nebraska. I'm like, this is hilarious. No, they, no, no, I'm sorry, Fall City. And she actually went to school with my uncle a million years ago. I'm like, this is a true story. It's the weirdest thing. But they were like, yeah, we're here for two months. I'm like, yeah, because you can't plant or harvest anything up there right now. But this is what we do in our lives. Think about it. You, there's a time where you plant and then a time where you grow and then a time where you harvest and you work, but then there's a time where you rest. Because it doesn't matter how hard you try to plant in winter or harvest in winter, nothing's gonna grow. You already took it all. And I wonder how many of us have gotten so accustomed to living out of season in our lives. We try to create our own season. But imagine if you didn't plant and you got to harvest time, you're like, I just wanna harvest, I don't wanna harvest, I don't wanna create, and I wanna produce, and I wanna strive, and I wanna have, and I wanna gather. It's always a time to gather and build and you never plan anything, you're gonna get super frustrated because living out of season is super frustrating. All right, seasons are a thing now. And, and this is something that I'm just learning about. I didn't know um, that you could have multiple seasons in life. I, I'm, used, you know, I'm, I'm used to our regular four seasons. So how do we tell you know, um, when we're in transition from one season to the next? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. And I have a, a good answer. Yay. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know if I do or not. But I think um, the, the thing for me is talking with someone who is more seasoned ah, in life than there. we are. Okay. Uh, finding people that are older than us who have been through these different seasons of life. Okay. And finding people who are older in the faith that have walked with the Lord longer to, and, and talk with them. Um, too many of our um, conversations or, or our interactions with people is not like this. Like this is good, sitting down and talking with people. Yeah and getting to know them. And so we need more of that, having people speak into our lives. Yeah, no, actual FaceTime, yeah. not, FaceTime not FaceTime on <laughs> our phones. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, we're gonna go ahead and get some FaceTime with a commercial break, but when we come back, we have a special treat. Our producer, Brooke Gurley, is sitting down with author Michelle Medlock-Adams to talk about her new book, Platinum Faith. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Stick around, we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome to Ambo TV. No, I am not Dean Windsor, but I'm your special host, Brooke Gurley. And with me in studio is a special guest, Michelle Medlock-Adams. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me today. Of course. I'm so excited. So you're like a prolific author, like 70 books. <laughs> you sold 4 million books. It's just crazy. And now you have another one, yes. Platinum Face. So first of all, the title, how'd you come up with it? I love it. Thank you so much. Well, my co-author and I, Bethany Jett, we have a business called Platinum Literary okay. and, and, and trying to figure out what to call our literary business that would stand out among the rest. We did a lot of research on the name and she actually came up with Platinum because it's top shelf and it's rare and it's valuable and it can withstand the heat, lots of cool things about it. So our agent, we shared the same agent, Kyle Young, made this appointment for us in Florida at this writer's conference with an, an editorial director and we were supposed to pitch a book but we didn't have a book to pitch. Oh. We'd already sold our mom book which comes out next month and so 
we had to go and not be stupid. <laughs> we don't have anything to pitch. So at two in the morning, we were texting back and forth. And I said, what about doing Platinum Faith? Because all those things that we loved about it for our business applies to our faith. And it was just like the heavens opened, the angels saying we knew that was it. And that was the beginning of our Platinum Faith journey. Awesome. And so in the book, you use the properties of platinum to pull out like examples of our faith and how we should live our faith. So can you give us some kind of... Yeah, sure. There, so the, we have 12 different properties of platinum. Okay. There are probably more, but those are the ones that we really researched. Mm -hmm. I was a journalism major, so I'm all about the research. It was so much fun. Um, so a couple of them that we talk about is platinum is very precious. Mm -hmm. So one of the most precious metals. It's very valuable, much more than like even white gold and of course sterling silver. It can withstand the heat up to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, so wow. which is, you know, we all we want all these characteristics in our lives. It's also very malleable, so you can shape it mm -hmm. different things. And one of my favorite things is so useful. Um, it, it's used in cancer-fighting drugs. It's okay. used in smoke detectors, um, dental implants. I mean, catalytic converters, like lots of things that you wouldn't think about. I think of platinum, I think of a beautiful piece of jewelry. I mean, that's most girls. Right. All ring. platinum. Yeah, yeah ring exactly. setting, right? That's, that's the ultimate. But it's used in so many other things. And so as we looked at all these different characteristics, it really did apply to our faith. For instance, with the useful, there's many times in our lives where we might feel like we're the smoke detector platinum. Like nobody knows we're there right, until right. we're needed. Then, then you know we're there. Um, but, you know, it's life-saving, the, mm -hmm. the stuff in the smoke detector. And same, and, but other times we have this like shiny exterior where we're maybe like a platinum ring setting where we're out front doing things. But other times we're in the back behind the scenes. And so not one is more useful than the other. Amen. And you also say that faith and becoming, having platinum faith, faith is a process. So can you like explain that process? Because it can be very challenging. You are so because if you're supposed to be the smoke detector and you want to be out front shiny, yes. you know, how do you deal with all of that? And that's and that is hard. We we do talk about that in the book. That sometimes that's that's the comparison trap we fall into. Right. Is you know, as women I think more even than than men will look at the someone who maybe is a praise and worship minister or, mm -hmm. you know, really walking in their calling and shining brightly for Jesus and we're in their nursery. <laughs> I mean, we've all done the nursery and you think, okay, does God even know I'm still here? Like, am I really doing anything important? Right, right. But you are just as important. I think no matter what your calling is, there will be seasons where you're more up front and center and seasons where you're more behind. I do a lot of ghostwriting for, you know, celebrities and different people and, and it's a great privilege to help them tell their stories. But no one knows I do this. I mean, I can say it, but I can never tell you who or I'd to kill you. You know, I get to, right, right, so, right. But, but no one knows that I'm out there doing that. And so that's a... That's being behind the scenes, but still being a blessing to somebody. God's still using my calling, but it's in a quiet way. Right. And then the, the process, you're exactly right. It can be really daunting. It, uh, we right. talk about often in the book, it's progress, not perfection. Mm. I mean, each of us are given a measure of faith. It tells us that in the Bible, right? Right, right. Absolutely. But that also says we are attaining from glory to glory, meaning that what we have now with faith, we can actually build on that. We can actually grow closer to God and walk a more consistent walk of faith. But that's why they call it the good fight of faith, because it's not easy. Absolutely. absolutely, And that's what I was going to say. So what do you say to someone who is struggling with their faith, which I have been there myself, where I'm like, some days I'm like, yes, God can do anything. I'm like the three Hebrew boys. Yes. The other days I'm like John the Baptist in jail, like, uh, is he really the one? You know what I mean? Like, is that really the person? So what do you say to someone who's struggling in that process? And I think you're right. For being honest, all of us have been there where we're like, God, are you still there? I was, did you go on vacation? Like not, not leave a forwarding? Like I don't understand. Exactly. We feel like he's left us, but he hasn't. I think during those seasons where you're waiting, you know, you're waiting on God to open the door. You're, sometimes you, you haven't heard anything in a while. Mm -hmm. um, I always, we talk about this in the book too, it's time just to get, let, really do like a word check. Like get in the word, mm. you know, just, just find yourself in the word. All those promises. Um, one of the first chapters of the book is about it being precious. Platinum is precious. And as soon as we find out how precious we are to God, kind of everything else hangs on that. If you know that he loves you 
so much with the unconditional love, you know, and that he's removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, and that nothing, it says in the Bible, can separate you from his love. Once you figure all that out and you really meditate on those promises, everything else sort of just falls in the line. Exactly. Now, this book also has great questions at the end of the chapters. Thank you. So is that something that you intend for this to be like a devotional or a Bible study or a woman's study? Who's sort of the audience for your book here? It, you know, we wrote it specifically for women, but we've had several men tell us that they picked up their wife's copy or a couple editors who were men say, I know you wrote this for women, but I loved it. I'm like, well, that's good to know. But it was, it's really written for all women, a women of faith. And what we're hoping is that maybe they'll take to their churches mm -hmm. and do Bible study. In fact, my best friend Angie, who came with me today, their church is doing it as a Bible study coming right. up in, in January. So it's great for also just personal introspective study. If you're just going to have your journal nearby and you know look at those questions and just let God love on you a bit, write down some answers. Where I just did a book signing in Michigan, oh. and one of the ladies who brought her book had bought it off of Amazon and brought it for me to sign. And there were notes, you know, all scribbled in the sides and oh, dog-eared and highlighted. And I yeah. think, oh my goodness, that's so great. So yeah, we want you to get in this book. It's not one that's supposed to just be pretty, although it's pretty on the outside. Mark it up and meditate and circle. And so get yourself, um, an, I always just get a journal that I like it to match right next to it, right? So you can answer those questions. That's yeah. so awesome. So which one of the, out of the 12 properties would you say is your favorite or one that really resonates the most with you? Wow, that's, no one's asked me that. That's a good question. I think... Gosh, probably the the one that has meant the most to me is the precious one. Mm -hmm. Just because when I go to minister at women's conferences and things across the United States, um, many times when women are down front and we're praying with mm -hmm. them, the thing I often hear the most is that they just they just don't feel like they're worthy enough mm. that God could love them or that He could have a plan for them. They don't feel they don't feel it. And you know, again, we don't go by feeling. But um, for me, I think what, what helped me is that my dad, he's gone to heaven now, his name's Walter Medlock. Mm -hmm. He was just this amazing, loving dad. And so it was easy for me to be able to receive the love of my heavenly father mm -hmm. because I had such a loving dad who you know, spoke truth into me every day and built me up and told me, you know, Michelle, you can do anything. Um, a lot of women didn't grow up with that. They didn't mm -hmm. have that, that support system from their earthly father. So it's harder for them to understand how their heavenly father could love them. And right. so we, I often minister about that. So I wanted to ask you, is there a particular pastor? Because I saw that Victoria Osteen yes. wrote your forward. So is there a particular pastor or sermon that really has uh, ministered to you throughout the years? Uh, the Osteens have been big impact in my life, both her husband Joel and Victoria, good friends and amazing pastors, I think. And they really are the real deal. Love them. So obviously they have definitely spoken into my life. And then I, I love me some T.D. Jakes. I love. Me too. Oh my goodness. Every week. <laughs> wow, do I love him. Yes. I got to be at Joel and Victoria's church and sit down in front. And he, it, he was a special guest that day. Oh, and, amazing. oh, and it was such a good sermon. He was talking that you would love this. I've got the CD also to share with you. It was so good. He was talking about how, you know, and the Bible says that he, God says, I'm the God of Isaac, Jacob. He goes through all that, Abraham, right? Mm. But you always wonder, why would he say, why wouldn't he say his new name? Mm. Why wouldn't he say Israel? Why would he say Jacob? Jacob. Because Jacob was not that, that was before he was, yeah, why yeah. would he? And I, and I thought that is, I've never thought about that when I read that in the scripture. And Brother Jake said, he goes, because all of us, Every single one of us has a little bit of Jacob in us. Mm. And I thought, 
Oh, that's so good. Doesn't that resonate? Because we've all yes. failed. We've all been all deceivers. Been we've all right. messed up. And so we all have a little Jacob. And so I think God intentionally said that, used that name, not Israel, because he wanted us to know, I still love you even then. Michelle, where can people get this book? When is yes. it? It's out already. It just came and out so. a couple of weeks ago. You can get it, uh, of course, Amazon, mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble online. Um, it's in many of the Christian bookstores, you know, the, 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 the independent stores. Um, I've seen it several places, so we're just telling people, look, and you can order online. That's probably the easiest way to get it. And then also Cokesbury, you can get it through there. And my website, michellemedlockadams.com or bethanyjet.com. We also have it on our websites. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this I had a great wonderful. time. Thank you. Please come back. I would love it. And blessings to you in your new book. Thank and you everything. so much. All right. I'm Brooke Gurley, and this has been Ambo TV. comes time for us to do something that we can control, we're too tired to do it. We're too worn out to do it because we've worn ourselves out running and worrying about all the things that we had no control over. We've been worrying about all the things that we couldn't handle. So now the time that God says, okay, it's ready for you to go and to take dominion, we're too tired to actually go and do what he's prepared for us. All right, Pastor Dustin Barker rounding it out for us. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guest to give us a Bible scripture that goes along with what Pastor was just talking about. Do you got something for the folks at home? Sure. Okay. At the end of Matthew, Jesus says, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when you're tempted to worry, turn that into worship and realize that the power of God is with you. And if He is with you, really, what do you have to worry about? Exactly. I love that sentiment. That's great. Pastor Daniel, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Come back again sometime? I hope so. Awesome. All right. And to our partnering churches, Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole, Cape Coral Church with Pastor Corey, and Elevation Point Church with Pastor Dustin. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. And thank you to Michelle Medlock-Adams for stopping by. Go pick up her book, Platinum Faith is going to bless and encourage your faith walk. I promise to see the complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. And sign up for our daily newsletter. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you guys for watching. Good night, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.